Happy Monday morning, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode number nine, about to kick off. I am sports guy Chris, here with my good friend Mikey once again. Hello, Chris. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good, Mikey. How Wonderful. are you doing today doing on this stupendous. lovely Martin Luther King Day? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. Good, good. good. Thank you. Bro, we had a, a big week, to say the least, in, in the world of sports. Of course, yeah. we had some big-time NFL playoff games this past weekend, which we will get to a little bit later, and then pre Preview our two championship games coming up this weekend. Okay. We also midweek had maybe one of the biggest trades in NBA history, certainly in recent NBA history. Really kind of, you know, changed a lot of things with Mr. James Harden finally getting dealt. Uh, big trade there, and we've got some big games here uh, on the NBA slate coming up later today as well. Mm-hmm. Along with a few other notes, Mikey, we got a lot to cover. I'd yeah, like get to, to lead off today. Yeah. With some NBA talk. We've let off with the NBA and NFL playoffs the last few weeks. I want to jump into that trade first, and then we'll tackle that NFL stuff later. So let's lead off, of course, with the big blockbuster trade. Took over social media and everything else midweek this past week. James Harden officially got out of Houston and is in New, uh, excuse me, Brooklyn now with the Nets. Mikey, take the lead on this one. I am really, really excited to get your thoughts on this trade. Um, the floor is yours, my friend. Okay, well, let's get to it. Um, so, obviously, everybody at this point knows that James Harden uh, got traded to his uh, number one destination, which yeah. is the Brooklyn yep. Nets, uh, teaming up with yet another former OKC teammate in Kevin Durant and teaming up with the uh, enigma that is Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Um, You know, and, uh, you know, obviously that's the biggest name in the trade. Uh, It was a four-team trade, and we're not going to get into all the particulars um, because I think the two biggest names uh, were Harden going to the Nets and then Oladipo um, making his way out of Indiana and making his way down to Houston, um, which I think is a very underrated trade. Oladipo has been seemingly on his way out from Indiana for, you know, uh, at least a season or two at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that that's an interesting pairing down there in Houston and I look forward to what they're going to be doing. I don't think Houston's done making moves. PJ Tucker supposedly, um, might be on the trading block and the Minnesota Timberwolves are interested and, you know, that could be a move that happens later down the road. Um, you know, but, you know, going back to the main the main component of this trade is James Harden going to the Nets. Um, you know, you and I were talking before we hit record. And, you know, Chris, you, you got three guys that have a usage rating over 20%. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've got a guy in Kyrie Irving who mentally, you know, at some point you're going to have to start questioning you know, his ability to play, right? Yeah. And and, 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 and that's taking mental health in, in total seriousness because Absolutely. he's missing these games not because of a physical ailment. It's No, they're, no. It's, it's because of, for whatever reason, and the Nets are coming out and they're being very cryptic about why he's missed time. You know, they're not, they're saying it's not COVID related, but yet there's video out there of him, you know, uh, at a birthday party, maskless, you know, indoors, right. and he's you know, been being irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, he got, he, yeah. He, he got the James Harden $50,000 fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because now all of a sudden he's, you know, supposedly close to coming back miraculously after the James Harden trade. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, but again, you, you've got words. three guys with the usage rating over 20%. You've got three guys, two out of the three mostly with Kyrie and, and Harden that need the ball in their hands to operate effectively. Yeah, good point. Kevin Durant doesn't need the ball as much, but his sure. bread and butter is more as an ISO scorer yes. than, than off the dribble or anything like that, or catch and shoot situations. So even going back to his days in Golden State. So it'll be incredibly interesting to see how this works. Vegas odds makers have the Brooklyn Nets now leapfrogging, you know, the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks yeah. as the number one team in the Eastern Conference or the Correct. team most yeah. likely to come out of the East. That's right. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not believing that hype. I think it's only been one game. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. It, I don't think that there's, yes, yeah, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, you know, a James Harden fan, whatever, you know, Maybe you're excited. You're certainly excited, but I, you know, I, I got to see more from this team after one game uh, to see what it's made up of. You know, you've got Harden's re, you know, 
reuniting with Mike D'Antoni yeah, on Steve Natch's coaching yeah, staff. Right. Um, you've got a lot of stuff going on there that I think are, are potentially problems for that team. Defensively, Chris, who are they going to stop? You know, you and I that's, were talking that's about the question right there. Yeah, who on the Bucks is going to, you know, who on the Nets is going to slow down someone like Giannis? Right. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, who on that Bucks team is going to slow down a Jason Tatum? I yeah. mean, obviously, you would assume that it's Kevin Durant, but he's going to be focused on the offensive end. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. That's where his. That's yeah. where he makes his money. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid, uh, if he's healthy come playoff time, how do the Nets slow down a big like that when you don't have Jared Allen on that roster yeah. anymore? Um, you know, outside of DeAndre Jordan, you don't have a lot of height on that team. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't know defensively how you're going to, what you're going to do with that. Those are kind of my initial thoughts. Um, you know, we can get into Harden's debut here in a minute, but Chris, I'm curious to know what your thoughts on the trade were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. My <laughs> my younger brother, when this broke, of course, you know, he he sent me a little message, and you know, this could spell a lot of trouble for the Bucks and so on and so forth. And it was funny. My initial reaction, and this is probably going to be very different from the the majority out there, was. I said, hey, th- this this could actually ruin the Nets, in my opinion, only because of all the things you mentioned, right? Like James Harden coming over, yes, they can score a ton of points, and this team could be a historic offensive efficiency type of team, hands down, no doubt about it. But they traded Jared Allen, who was a guy that you know rebounded, blocked shots for you, w- was going to give you some interior defense, and they traded Karis LeVert, who, in my opinion was was uh you know a, a big a, a big part to lose out of this again a, a good defender and in my opinion Levert was playing really really well at, yes. at the time of this trade so I started to look at it from the standpoint of what you mentioned you've got three guys with very high usage rates James Harden the, the highest usage rate in NBA history if he were to retire right now I mean so I look at it Right now, the Nets are 13th in defensive efficiency. That was with having Karis LeVert and Jared Allen for the first 12 games. Those guys are gone now. So for me, if you're going to assume become the the, the top offensive efficiency team in the league, they're third right now behind Milwaukee. I I need to mention that. Your your defensive efficiency is going to have to improve, or I don't know, but I don't see that number getting better. I don't see how after trading those guys, they're going to get better defensively. I would not be surprised if they not finish number one offensive efficiency. I think that's what everybody's expecting. But when you look at a team like the Lakers, who are number one in offensive defensive efficiency, excuse me, and it's by a wide margin, and then the Lakers are fifth in offensive efficiency, Milwaukee seventh in defensive efficiency, second in offensive efficiency. You know, I, like you pointed out, to me, the, what I'm interested to see how this works is defensively how are you going to stop anybody and then number two when Kyrie gets back on the floor whenever that happens it was maybe going to be Saturday maybe it's tonight against Milwaukee maybe who knows when it's going to actually happen but how did the three of those guys you know play play together and mash and, and, and make it all work in that regard so those were my initial takeaways I thought the Nets we're a really good basketball team before this trade. I like the guys like Jared Allen and Karis LeVert to be your role players to your star scorers. And, and you know, at the time of this trade, Kyrie was averaging 27 points a game, 5.3 rebounds, six assists. You know, granted, he only played seven games and he hasn't, we haven't seen him since then, but yeah. those are pretty solid numbers, yeah. you know, to get going. And Durant, 30 points a game at the time of this trade uh, through eight games. So, I'm interested to see how this all works out. Um, something we talked about a little bit uh, before we jumped on as well. You made a great point. You know, if I'm a Houston fan and I saw James Harden scoring 14 and 16 and 17 his last few games there, and all of a sudden dude turns around and puts up this 32-point triple-double in his first game, yeah, I'm probably pissed if I'm a Houston fan about that. But, uh, yeah, dude, those were my initial takeaways. Uh, you know, how, how are they going to come up with stops defensively when they need it? And, of course, the big question that we're all looking for is, how are these three gonna gonna jive together on the court uh, with Kyrie out there as well? So yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of questions. And for me as a Bucks fan, I'm actually kind of happy they went ahead and just made the Nets the favorite in the East right yep. away. Take the pressure Take off the, the pressure Bucks. Off. Yeah. Put it on the Nets right away. These dudes played one game and Kyrie didn't even play. So you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, those are my initial thoughts uh, on the trade, Mikey. 
Yeah, you know, uh, you 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 bring up some some good stuff there. Um, you know, and, and just going through Harden's numbers in his debut, he shot eight for eighteen for forty four percent shooting. He went to the line fifteen times and made thirteen out of the fifteen. So you know, you take that out of the equation, and you know, he he had a kind of he still had a triple double, but you know, he, he was able to get to the line quite a bit. So he finished with the 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, four steals, one block shot. And you know, the, 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 uh, the stat that most people want to gloss over is he had nine turnovers. He was one turnover shy of a quadruple double <laughs> and not in a good way. Right, right. And you know, I mean, you, you can chalk that up to new team. Um, but you know, I think that's also him being careless with the basketball. Um, you know, maybe it's a case of trying to do too much out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, without Kyrie Irving, maybe Harden was playing more of that point guard type role, um, that he's so accustomed to playing um, from his days in Houston. Um, you know, and obviously he got the ball to people. I mean, he got, he had 14 assists. Yeah. He spread it around. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, if you're a Houston fan, you know, you're pissed because this dude, you know, couldn't care less about yeah, playing in Houston yeah, and putting on that yeah. Houston jersey, even though that was the team that was signing his checks. And, exactly. you know, he gets traded and he goes out there and puts up this this debut. Um, you know, and, and but that's just the nature of that beast, though, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, guys get a change of scenery and it almost never fails that they come out and they have a really good debut. And, you know, was it, did anyone expect it to be quite this good? Probably not. Right. Is that sustainable? No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it it's interesting, and you know, it. But it's nothing to sit there and be like, oh yes, they are the anointed ones in the East. I mean, you have a Philly team that's a really good team. Um, yeah, you know, Joel Embiid is putting himself into the MVP conversation. He's playing really, really that. well. Yep. Um, you know, the Boston Celtics just got Kemba Walker back, and yeah. he's going to be potentially on a minutes restriction. But having him back is going to be a boon for the the Celtics, um, you know. And then you have your Bucks, and you know they are you know second in the league in scoring. Um, you know they are second in the league in three pointers made. They are second in the league in three point percentage. Um, you know they're fourth in steals per game. You know your Bucks Ooh, are, are. I like these numbers, Mike. Yeah, man. You know. <laughs> uh, they're number two, right behind the Brooklyn Nets in field goal percentage. Okay. So I mean, look, yes, you're absolutely right. Now all the spotlight and shine is on the Nets, but at yeah. the end of the day, you know, I just don't think that these the three-headed monster is is going to work in Brooklyn. I mean, look, dude, going in last season with Westbrook, they were talking all this kumbaya BS about how yeah. they can play together and they're yeah. different players. Yeah. So is Kyrie Irving and yeah, Kevin Durant, yeah, my friend. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, now you're yep. not playing with one other superstar, Chris. You're playing with two other superstars. Yes, yes. And, you know, how is that going to work? Steve Nash, I don't envy you, man. Um, you know, you, you got a lot going on there. And that kind of leads me to to the next thing I wanted to ask you about, Chris. Sure. yeah. Is, you know, it's... It's funny to me how you've got James Harden, who for the last, you know, month plus, two months, has been wanting a trade. He's been, Mm -hmm. you know, putting it out there that he he wants out of Houston. He's not happy there. He doesn't like the direction the franchise is going, et cetera, et cetera. Finally gets his wish and gets traded. And, you know, puts out this thank you and then he wasn't disrespectful (laughs) to his team and thank you to the city of Houston for always supporting him and all this other kind of BS you know, and he's get he has a restaurant opening up in Houston, and he's already getting bad Yelp reviews and all this other kind of stuff. And God only knows in the COVID era if it's going to be sustainable there. You know, but he puts out this thank you, and after basically throwing the city and the franchise under the bus, <laughs> yeah. And then you have Victor Oladipo, who you know went to obviously went to the University of Indiana. He's a yes. Hoosier. Yeah, played for Indiana that guy. state team mm-hmm. um, in the Pacers, and now he's on his way out. But it's interesting that, two, and he put out a thank you on social media and whatnot uh, for thanking the city, you know, Indianapolis and Indiana for supporting him. Two very different situations, two very yeah. different scenarios. Um, you know, I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts. Sincere, not so sincere. Should they even do it? I mean, is it even worth doing um, as a professional ball player? 
I think uh, that hey, you know what, Mikey? That's a that's a great question. Um, and to be honest with you, I think it's it's uh, I, I guess a, a case by case thing, you know, and so on and so forth. But you know, in 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 Harden's case in particular, I think it's very difficult to look at this and and make it a sincere thing. I mean, the guy pulled all the tricks out of the book, the disgruntled superstar book, to get yourself traded and to get your way, right? I mean. He broke rules and protocols, showed up late, out of shape, yeah. and all these different things. I mean, this is a franchise that bent over backward for the guy. They they swapped out superstars. They tried to do everything they could to make it work for him, to cater for him, and it didn't. And he just he became disgruntled and, like I just said, played all those cards to get traded. So in that regard, I don't think so. I think it's just become one of these things now that is just kind of expected when a guy who's been at a franchise for a long time leaves, whether that's via free agency or via a trade, they just feel like this is something they have to do now and take out a one page thing or a Twitter thing or whatever and and do the thank you thing. I mean, I think because of the points you pointed out with Oladipo being an Indiana guy and and playing college at Indiana, I mean, that is a basketball craze state. I mean, let's be honest here, especially when it comes to college and high school basketball, probably the most crazed state in that regard from from that aspect. So I think it was a little bit more sincere for him. But to me, I think it's just becoming more of an just kind of an expected thing now that guys are just expected to do. And to me, I think it's probably going to water it down a lot. I think you're going to have a lot of these that are kind of empty, and then you're going to have a lot of them that have a lot more to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. for instance, when Tom Brady left New England this last offseason and what he did, I think everybody would say, yeah, that was definitely sincere to the Patriots fans and so on. But to me, it, it's just kind of funny. You get to this point now and... and I just think it's become a thing that they just kind of expect, you know, yeah. or just like an expected thing out of these guys. So yeah. that's my take on yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I could get, I could get with that. I mean, I think you know you can look at uh, Russell Westbrook as a good example of a, oh yeah, of a okay. sincere, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, thank you to a city. I mean, you know, when he got traded from the Thunder to to Houston last season, you know, he. he he put in a lot of good community efforts there in OKC, and that was widely, you know, documented and and shared. And you know, yeah. whether he intended that to be the case or not is irrelevant. But you know, he did a lot of good for OKC. You know, he, he was thankful that he they drafted him, gave him that opportunity, and everything like that. And you know, in a team like OKC, you kind of saw that writing on the wall that you know maybe his tenure had expired there sure. in OKC. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's one of the biggest differences. Is that, you know, some guys, they put in everything that they can into a franchise. And then, you know, regardless of what their contract situation is, you know, maybe it's something where now you got to look at what is the future for this franchise. Yeah, and yeah. you know what I mean? And, and so I think that there is some, you know, it is genuine. For somebody like Harden, though, I mean, you know, this is a, a city and a franchise that catered to you for the better part of 10 years. And, you know really helped transform you into the MVP, the perennial MVP candidate that you are. And, you know, your, your way of going about it was completely kind of backwards and not the right way to do it. And, you know, Anthony Davis, I'm sure there's people out there thinking, well, what about Anthony Davis? And, you know, but I think Anthony Davis, again, is in one of those situations, much like a Russell Westbrook, where, you know, or a Pau Gasol in Memphis before he got traded to the Lakers. I mean, you know, there's only so much some of these guys can do within these small market franchises. And, you know, eventually you're going to want to, you're seeing greener pastures. Yeah. And the thing, Chris, yeah. that I think is, you know, uh, also a point here is that this isn't the, the 1980s, early 90s, bad boy Pistons, yeah. Lakers versus Celtics rivalries. I mean, these guys are all friends these yeah. guys all hang out in, in the off season you yeah. know obviously yeah. maybe not during covid but you know these guys are all players that know each other they respect each other you know those rivalries quite aren't there the same way that they were but you know and, and i think that that plays a part too these guys want to play with their buddies and whether it works or not they don't care yeah For whatever right. reason yeah. they make it up in their yeah. head that they would rather play with their friends than not yes. so you don't see these carl malone type situations you know, Dirk Nowitzki type situations that good or bad, you know, thick or thin, they stick with the team. Right. Um, right. But, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, you're right. I, I think that there are some that are more sincere than others. 
Harden, I don't think he should even bothered. I think he yeah, got what he wanted. I, just, I think yeah. why add insult to injury and throw I, a thank you out there? I agree. Just I agree. just let it be. Just and, let it be, and, right? And, yeah. You know, you can do your you can do your thing maybe later down the road and you know, when yeah. you retire someday, say thank you to Houston for giving me, you know, the opportunity. Right. Um that's my take on it. Um, but let's switch it up nice. just a little bit here. Um, you know, we've got today's Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Celebrating, yes, yes. you know, the life of Martin Luther King. Um, yeah. you know, and we've got a huge slate of games on yes, today. Yes. Um, but in in regards to you and I, you being from the Midwest and a Bucks fan. Yes. A, yes. a very proud Bucks <laughs> yeah. fan. Uh, and then myself as a West Coast guy, California kid, uh, Laker fan. Um, you know, we've got two pretty good games uh, going on today. Yes, we you, do. Your Bucks are taking on Brooklyn, yes, the new yes, Brooklyn yeah. Nets, and my Lakers are taking on Golden State tonight yeah. in the nightcap in the in the closing game this evening. And Golden State's playing better basketball as of late. Yes, uh, they are. They, yes, you know, they're yes. playing well now that Draymond's been back in the lineup. Yeah. Steph's um, on a tear. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I'm just curious, Chris, what you got, man? You got uh, Milwaukee versus Brooklyn and Lakers versus Golden State. Thoughts? Okay. Um, well, you know, I mean, not a surprise here, but I'm gonna take the Bucks. They've what? they've been playing together all year long, and and you know, we don't know. Kyrie might play tonight. He might not. Um, and I, I thought you hinted on something that most people didn't talk about in, in that initial Harden Nets performance, the nine turnovers. And you had mentioned it, I believe it was last week on the podcast, before the Harden trade, Brooklyn was already having a hard time with turnovers. They were one of the worst in the league. I believe it was over 17 a game, if I remember correctly. But, you know, you had made that point last week. And then here, Harden's first game, yeah, they they beat a Magic team who's who's been okay so far but you know they're not a juggernaut they beat them by seven but they turned the ball over a lot so just from the continuity standpoint of yes Milwaukee certainly has new pieces this year as well but they've been playing all year long together at this point and Milwaukee's starting to play better now they're nine and four back atop the east after a slow start they're playing better basketball I'm gonna take the Bucks. I I just think it's gonna take the Nets a little bit to get used to everything and the whole is Kyrie gonna play is he not gonna play at some point, that is going to take a toll on a team. Mm-hmm. I, sorry, that's just the way it is. And, and, no, and no matter what the sport is, when you have a superstar and you, he's in limbo and you don't know if he's going to play or not. So with, for all those factors, I'm going to take the Bucks in that one tonight. Okay. Uh, right. Probably right. not a big shock there. And then, you know, as good as, uh, you know, uh, Steph's been playing and Draymond is back and everything, I, I think that's an exciting nightcap game tonight with the Lakers and the Warriors. But, you know, your Lakers are just a complete team. So, I, again, I'm going to take them. I, I like them, especially the defensive side of the ball and what they've been able to do so far this year. But um, I, it's still, it should be a great game. I, I like the fact that the Warriors have started to play better basketball and now everybody's going to be back. That should make it a, a pretty competitive game. But, you know, maybe a close game, but I, I think the Lakers pull it out in the end, Mikey. Gotcha. All right, yeah. cool. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, going to your, your Bucks and Nets, um, you know, just looking over some stats, I mean, sure. you know, you've got... You know, the thing is, like you pointed out, I mean, your Bucks, they're currently sitting at number two in the league in points per game, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're averaging almost a ridiculous 120 points a game. Yeah, wow. Uh, which is only 0.3 points less than the Washington Wizards. Now, obviously, wow, okay. we know the Wizards suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bradley Beal said they can't guard a parked car. So You and you me know, would have 20 against them. Probably. It's debatable. But, you know, yeah. So, But then you have the Brooklyn Nets sitting right behind there. The, the obvious difference, obvious, you know, is the defense. Where the yeah, defense divided yeah. the ball. Right. You're right. Yep. The Bucks, they have continuity. Um, they actually can stop, you know, people. Um, so, yeah, I, I like your Bucks too. I, I think this is nice. going to be a good test like for it. the Nets. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. Um, I, it'll be very interesting to see the matchups defensively. I agree. Um, kind yes. of like we talked about, you know what I mean? Like who's going to guard uh, Giannis, um, you know, and, and for long stretches, are they going to play more, maybe more zone, maybe dare Giannis to shoot more from the outside? Um, you know, I, I'm really curious to see kind of how that plays out. But, you know, I, I think that it's, yeah, I, I just think that Brooke, Milwaukee has too many weapons. They, 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 they're too strong as a cohesive unit. To, to take, you know, to for the Nets to take them down. 
So I, I, I think the Nets, uh, first two games with James Harden, they're going to be one and one. Um, as far as the Lakers, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> sure you would. Um, you know, as far as the, the Lakers and Golden State, this is an interesting game for me because, um, you know, the Lakers have been playing fantastic basketball, the best really basketball have. in the NBA. Right, definitely. Um, you know, the Lakers currently have the best record in the NBA, period, yep. at 11 and 3. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've been tested a little bit. Um, and I think tonight is going to be another test of that. There is, you know, Draymond has not been putting up ridiculous, you know, point totals or anything, which he never has. But, you know, he's doing all those little things, those yeah. very Draymond Green type things. And, you know, he, he brings that defensive intensity to the other side of the basketball. Uh, you know, the rookie Wiseman, he's been playing really well as of late. Um, obviously, Steph Curry's been kind of on a tear. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it'll be very interesting to see how this shakes down because the Lakers are the best defensive team in efficiency right now. They are. And ever you know? since the letdown against San Antonio and, you know, uh, Anthony Davis calling the team out and Frank Vogel agreeing with Anthony Davis and saying, no, you're absolutely right. Like, we play, we suck. You know, the Lakers have really turned that around. Um, you know, they're rebounding the basketball really well. They're blocking shots. They're doing things that, you know, we had done last year. And I thought that we were going to kind of struggle at this season with regards to protecting the rim and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see how Wiggins plays. Um, but I think ultimately, when all is said and done, we've got LeBron James, we have Anthony Davis, yeah. and I don't yeah. know if the Golden State Warriors have any answers for those two guys. I think that so is... So I'm going to go with my hometown boys, too. I'm going to go with the Lakers on this one. Yeah. Um, you know, and then just to wrap up a little bit of, you know, some NBA talk here, you know, just kind of recap the season, uh, you know, so far. Do you have any, looking at the standings, Chris, are there any surprises? Do you have any, you know, teams or anything like that? Did you're a little surprised at where they're at? Um, I mean, you know, again, the fact that, uh, you know, Cleveland continues to kind of be hanging around. Granted, they have cooled off since their 5-1 and one start. Uh, you know, they've, they've tailed off significantly. But, you know, they would still be in the playoffs if it started today. We've hinted at it, you know, the Raptors and the Heat, uh, you know, sitting there at four and eight and four and seven, respectively. To me, those are the big surprises. If you told me after 13 games of NBA action, the Bulls would be better than those two teams, I would tell you, quite frankly, that's a bunch of bull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Oops. as far as the West goes, no big surprises there. Uh, you know, the Nuggets are still, you know, I, I think that maybe is the bigger surprise. But, you know, there's still a lot to go there. I mean, obviously, I was very high on my Mavericks. They're, they're still, you know, they're in the seventh spot at the moment. So... We'll see, but to me, it's it's still about the Heat and the Raptors. Those are the two surprises, really, to me right now. Yeah, um, I I could, I could get behind that. I, I think that, um, but I, I'm gonna throw one out there that sure. I think is you know something that a lot of people, and it's in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks. Yeah, uh, the New yeah. York Knicks are playing respectable basketball. Yeah. They're currently yeah. sitting six and eight, and the only reason why they're not currently in the eighth spot uh, with the and instead of the Charlotte Hornets is just because of a tiebreaker. But right, right. You know, I, I mean. The New York Knicks, they're playing good basketball. R.J. Barrett is playing well. He's playing you know, good, Julius yeah. Randle is putting up good numbers. Okay. You know, uh, you know Tom Thibodeau, you know, he's got them playing respectable basketball. And, you know, whether or not he equates to a playoff berth or not, you know, remains to be seen. But, you know, with the playoff format the way it is this year where there's the play-in, you know, they would be in the play-in right now. Yeah, good point. Um, good so, point. you know what I mean? And then, yep. like you said, the Heat and the Raptors would not be in that situation. No, no. Um, so, I think that that's interesting. Same thing with the Cavaliers. You know, they've been treading water, and they have, they've been playing without Darius Garland. They've been playing without Colin Sexton. So, I, you know, I, I think that that's interesting, too. You know, you just yeah. picked up Jared Allen. Um, yeah, good point, right? You've got yeah. Prince uh, in the trade with uh, Brooklyn. Uh, you know, so you bring in some guys. I think that makes Andre Drummond probably dispensable at this point. Yeah, so I, I think I that, agree. you know, yeah. he just put up a 23 rebound game um, in their win. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, it's an interesting time in Cleveland. You know, do you do you continue trying to build for the future? Uh, or do you try and look at this and say, you know what, guys, we maybe have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, right. You know, I think yep. that there's a lot of these teams, it's still early yet. We're 12, 13 games into the season. So I, I think that there's still, you know, room for obviously these, these standings to, to move around. 
because sure. um, I still I still like the Hawks to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, suffering too. from yeah, me some too. injuries and yeah. stuff like that. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, man. In the Western Conference, I don't think there's very many surprises. Um, you know, I, I didn't like the Houston Rockets to make the playoffs. They're they're yeah, four and seven. Me yeah. Getting Oladipo, I think, you know, is going to be a boon for them, and it's going to help them. I, I think that they'll be a competitive basketball team, but I think that, you know, ultimately they're not going to make the playoffs still. I agree. Uh, the yeah. Nuggets being 6-7, and seven, you know, you put them as high as number two in the in the Western Conference standings. Sure. And again, a lot can happen there, too. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with the Trailblazers. You know, Joseph Nurkic is out again. He's oh, going to be wow. missing like eight weeks or something like that with a busted up wrist. Oh, um, so, you know, I'm curious to know what happens with the Blazers now. Um, you still have CJ McCollum and you, obviously you have Dave sure. Lillard and right. stuff like that. But, you know, things are starting to, in the Western Conference, I think, kind of get to where people thought they would be, right? You know, yeah. you got the Lakers and the Clippers, number one, number two. You got the Jazz. The Suns are still in that mix. Um, you know, so I, I, there's not any immediate surprises, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I like it. It's a good day in basketball when the New York Knicks are competitive. I agree. Not like a, a, yeah, a, good know, point. Good doormat point. team. Yeah, so good point on the Knicks. I think I that that's probably a, a good, uh, you know, probably my biggest surprise. Um, but now let's, let's switch sports, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get to some divisional champion, you know, some divisional matchups and yes. whatnot. Uh, yes. And, and uh, there was some, there were some big games, man. Not really, there was no upsets no. necessarily. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, but uh, you know, come on, give me your takes. Let, yeah, let's absolutely. Well, you know, I'm an, I want to start with my Packers, of course, you know, the first game on Saturday, Green Bay was taking on the, you know, out here, hometown LA Rams. Of course, the big narrative going into that game was the Packers' number one scoring offense against Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and the number one scoring defense in the league. Green Bay, of course, got it done 32-18. to It was a game where the Packers were in control from the beginning, but it was also a game where every time they were about to blow the game wide open, the Rams were able to get a score, get, you know, get a stop, and just hang within. So it was a game where Green Bay was comfortably ahead 7 to 14, 15, 16 points the entire game, but they, they couldn't quite blow it away. They had a couple opportunities to blow it out, make it a three-score game, um, and the Rams would kind of hang around. That being said, it was also a case of it never seemed like they, they were really completely slowing Green Bay down either. So it was a... Look, when you put up 32 points and 484 yards of offense against the league's number one defense, I think you're going to take that anytime. Um, two big stats for, for to the, my biggest takeaways from the game. Green Bay ran the ball very well. 188 yards on the ground. Zero sacks allowed. That's a formula to wow. take out a number one defense and to win some playoff games. So I think I read it, something too that uh, yeah. Rodgers only got hit like two, three times. He only got hit like two that. or three times. Very clean jersey. He was great. He was 23 of 36 for 296, two touchdowns, no picks, and a rushing touchdown as well. Um, you look at all the performances in these four games, and I think it's very difficult to not say Aaron Rodgers was the best player in the divisional round of games. Uh, I think Jared... Jared uh, Allen, uh, Josh Allen, excuse me, was was that player in the first round for the Bills. I think it was Rodgers this past weekend, but I hinted on the backs. Aaron Jones ran for 99 yards and a touchdown on just 14 carries. Jamal Adams ran for 65 yards on 12 carries. And then A.J. Dillon tossed in 27 yards on six carries. It was just relentless. They pounded yeah. away with the running backs, and uh, that really set up the play action and, and everything else. And honestly... Um, Alan Lazard dropped a touchdown early in the game that could have blew that game open and made it a three touchdown game. But then he came back in the second half and reeled in a big 58 yard touchdown that kind of put the game away. So uh, hats off to Lazard, four catches, 96 yards and the score. The much ballyhooed matchup between Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams. Uh, well, Adams, you know, you would say was somewhat held in check. He still caught nine passes, Mikey. It was for 66 yards, but a touchdown and a couple of big first downs. So what I saw was uh, Matt LaFleur doing a great job of moving Adams around and getting him in some plus matchups. Um, in particular, the touchdown. Uh, Ramsey was very, you know, flustered after that and, and, you know, yelling at teammates and so on. So I think there was some miscommunication. But 
hats off to Lafleur for creating that you yeah, know yeah. situation. So anyway. Those were my takeaways there. I do have to mention Jared Goff. You know, he played pretty good, you mm-hmm. know, with the thumb and everything like that. He was 21 for 27, so you're not going to, you know, pout about that. But Buck 74, one touchdown, no picks. Cam Akers ran for 90 yards. The difference was it was just Cam Akers. There weren't two other backs throwing up another 90 yards rushing like Green Bay had. So at the end of the day, I think it was uh, the game, you know, that one kind of went how everybody thought. Uh, but those are my big takeaways. Gotcha. You know, it was the the defense versus the offense, and and Green Bay's offense really got it done. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we talked about it in last week's episode in the preview for this game. You know, and and one of the biggest ways that you can actually you know beat a good defense is to keep the defense on the field. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think that you know that was obviously evident in that case when you just yeah. you know you you mentioned Jalen Ramsey's frustrations. Yeah. Um, you know, yelling at teammates and, you know, jawing with, you know, teammates and stuff like that. And, you know, when you're out there and you're just kind of picking apart the defense and the defense isn't getting any stops, they're not getting yeah. any rest. They're not, you know, the offense can't come in and control the game and, and march down the field and chew up clock while you sit on the sidelines and rest and, 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 and look at, look at your photographs on your iPads and you know, kind of see the coverages, <laughs> yes, yeah. and, you know, all those kinds of things that you can do in between you know, that puts you in a bad spot. And, yeah. you know, I think that that was evident. And, you know, look, you were going up against most likely your your NFL MVP this season, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers, as you pointed out with his stats, you know, he came through with all of those MVP-like numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, they were getting it done in the air, like you said. They were getting it done on the ground with, you know, all three running backs and that running back by committee type situation. So, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Like, they're just... The, the offense and look in almost any sport a better offense is going to beat a better defense almost every day of the week yeah almost yep. every day of the you're week. right you're and right. and yep. and you know unless you have a game plan that is executed to perfection it's going to be hard to to you know from a defensive standpoint it's going to be hard to overtake an offense yeah and you know granted Maybe if the running backs don't have the game that they have, you know, maybe it's a slightly different situation. Maybe Jalen Ramsey has more success in you know yeah. covering the passes, yeah. or whatever. But you know, when you're when you're hitting it from all angles, it's just it's hard to to you know win that football game. Um, but uh, yeah, dude. So uh, what game you got next, man? Um, what, what, yeah, what do you got you next? Know, let's uh, let's stay in the NFC. Let's cover that okay. other NFC game yeah. before we bounce over to the AFC. It. it was la, you know, last night's game, the last game of the first round. Of course, the ageless Tom Brady went to New Orleans. Tampa Bay, of course, was dominated the two games in the regular season by New Orleans. It was a completely different script in this game, but honestly, the the entire game, it, this was the story of this game: turnovers. Four, four for New Orleans that led to basically all of Tampa Bay's points. All three of their touchdowns were, were directly as a result of New Orleans turnovers. Uh, and Tampa Bay, who had turned the ball over a lot in the previous two games uh, with, the, with the Saints, did not turn the ball over at all. So to me, that was the big difference in this game. Um, yeah, Tom Brady was 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 decent, but he didn't he didn't t- 18 of 33, a buck 99, two touchdowns, no picks. But Tom got away with a couple throws too. New Orleans had two picks they should have made that that were dropped. Tom got away with a couple throws. The difference was Drew Brees did not, and yeah. uh, you know honestly uh, did not did not have a, a great game by his standards. And again, when you turn the ball over four times uh, and give Tom Brady that kind of field position, and the biggest thing, the fourth turnover, Mikey, Tampa started on their own 48-yard line. That was the worst starting field position after the turnover. So they were starting all game long in, in New Orleans territory. You can't win a playoff game no. when you're doing that. No. So to me, that was the big thing in this game. I can't take a whole lot out of it other than the fact that New Orleans gave this football game away. I mean, and it was tied at halftime to despite the turnovers, they turned it over two or three times in the second half. That's how Tampa scored their 10 points in the second half. Um, I don't know. I, that, that's my takeaways from this game. But uh, you just, you can't do that. No, you can't. Well, I mean, look, it, you know, it was one of these two old man quarterbacks, yeah, whether yeah. it was Brady or it was Brees, someone was coming up short in this mm-hmm, game. Not mm-hmm. Both of them can't win, right? No, so, no. you know, and I, and I think what you saw is, you know, I, I mean... Tom Brady obviously is ageless at yeah. this point at 43 yeah. years old. 
um, you know, Drew Brees. But, I mean, Bruce Arians has always been known as kind of a defensive-minded coach and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's not surprising that Tampa Bay would get the better end in this, in yeah. this matchup uh, yeah. between the two. And, you know, I, I mean, Drew Brees, you, you hate to see him kind of go out like that. You know, obviously the rumors are is that he's retiring after this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but, you know... Yes, people talk about like Michael Jordan and the way he went out with the Washington Wizards and all that kind of stuff, and but no one remembers that. And I, uh, I think Drew yeah. Brees is very much that same type of situation. You know what I mean? He's yeah. very loved in New Orleans. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and and yes, is this a, a a stain on his resume? Yeah, maybe. But at the end of the day, it's so it, put some bleach on it, man. It'll be fine. Like, yeah, it's not, I agree, it, dude. It's yep. not going to taint his legacy no. at all. He's still he's still going to Canton. He's still going to the Football yeah. Hall of Fame. Uh, he's still one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played this game. You know, his numbers back yeah. that up. But, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, it, it is. It, it just, I don't know. That's the only thing that I got for that game. It's just, you know, it's it's good to see these two guys kind of going at it. You know, we talked yeah. about it last week. Yep. You have these young guys, up-and-comers, and you got these old veterans. And, you know, not everybody's going to come out on top. And yeah. that's just the fact of the matter. And, you know, it was the Bucks' day to win. And, uh, you know, it, I, but it was nice to see. There was there was footage and photos that came out after, and it showed Tom Brady and Drew Brees talking on the field. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I even read their thing in that respect. Yeah, yeah, that was I, awesome. Tom Brady threw a touchdown pass to one of Drew Brees' sons on the field after the game. I read that today. So that yeah. was cool. It's cool to see that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Sure. But, exactly. Uh, you know, the last thing I'll say about this game is I – for as great as Sean Payton is as an offensive coach and has been for a very long time, I, I just I didn't like what, how they went about their business. Michael Thomas did not catch a pass in this game. I don't yeah. know if he was dinged up or whatever, but to me, I don't care if you call a little one-yard screen to him. Get him the ball right away. You want to get your best players in the game flow and get them involved right away. Green Bay did that. They got Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones the ball right away. That's what you have to do. You have to get your good players involved right away. For Michael Thomas to not have a catch in this game, I don't know. And then after Tampa takes the lead at 23-20 in the fourth quarter... They start that drive out by giving it to Montgomery in the backfield instead of Kamara, who's having success running against this team. I, I get it. You need to spell the guy at some point. But in the fourth quarter, when you need to go down and get a, a score to tie the game, you put your best players on the field and yeah. give them the ball. I, I just didn't get it, Mikey. That, yeah. That's the, that my last take on gotcha. that. Gotcha. So, okay. Okay. Um, okay. You know, now... The Ageless Brady is on to face Rodgers, and we will get to that matchup in a moment. But we had two yeah. other two AFC other games. playoffs. Yeah. Uh, let's start with that other game that was on Saturday where Buffalo yeah. and Baltimore went at it. A lot of people thought there'd be a lot of points in this game, but <laughs> Just kidding. it ended up 17-3. to Low-scoring game. Low-scoring. The wind was definitely a factor in Buffalo. It was howling. It was swirling and all these different things. Uh, 17 to three was the final, not a whole lot of offensive fireworks here. It was definitely a game dominated by the defenses. Buffalo got it done. Yeah. They are back in an AFC title game for the first time since 1993, where it would, when they went to the Super Bowl, of course, four times in a row. Mikey, what were your, yeah. uh, takeaways from yeah. this one? Um, you know, um, the Bills got the job done. They did. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bills... The Ravens' offense had been coming in. They've been hitting on all cylinders. You know, the game prior to that against the Titans, you know, they were they were getting things done. Jackson is getting things done and, and all that good stuff. And, and you know, the Bills held them to a field goal. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I think, you know, um, Jackson was held to only like 34 yards rushing. That's correct. Um, yep. So, you know, and he got knocked out of the game. But... Yep. Uh, you know, the Bills did what the Bills needed to do to get the win. And, you know, that's very indicative of what they've done all season long. Yeah. And outside of one Cardinals Hail Mary for a loss, you know, they've been playing really good football. Yeah. yeah. And even in that game against the Cardinals, you could argue they were playing good football and they lost to a better throw. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, you know, the Bills, you know, I've been kind of touting them since we, we started this podcast and kind of going into it and... You know, and, and um, you know, Allen's play, putting up some good numbers. He, he's getting the job done. I think it's interesting because he's a guy that, you know, probably is more of a traditional quarterback compared to Jackson. But, you know, he's got the ability to put the legs on the ground and get things yeah. done. 
Um, you know, but I was reading an interesting article and it was talking about, you know, the mechanics of quarterbacks and, you know, Josh Allen getting the job done and his, his quarterback coach, his own personal quarterback coach, getting him into situations and spots to be able to get the football downfield and put some points. air, yeah. you know, under the ball and stuff like that. And, you know, Jackson, you know, kind of like in basketball terms, I think, is this a guy that he's naturally gifted, he's naturally talented, but he's got fundamental issues. Yeah. And and yeah. while some of that natural athleticism and some of those natural gifts work in maybe the college game, mm-hmm. where maybe you're not playing all four years in college, you know, you're one and out, you know, whatever it is, two and out, um, you know, you capitalize on your, sure. your Heisman Trophy or whatever, you know, it is. You know, I mean, this is a guy that can throw the football. The problem is, is that, you know, he just doesn't, he, he tries to just gun it and he doesn't have that nuance that maybe Allen does. Sure. And, you know, Allen, you know, kind of like an Aaron Rodgers or even a Drew Brees or obviously a Tom Brady of the quarterbacks left. You know, Patty Mahomes is probably somewhere in that middle. But, you know, you've got a guy with Jackson that, you know, you clearly have to make you're going to have to get him a good quarterback coach yeah, to get him to understand some of the nuances of the game where he can still utilize his legs. He can still utilize, yeah. I mean, he, what, back-to-back seasons of a 1,000 rushing yards for yeah. a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah, he, you, you shouldn't not take advantage of his physical gifts. The problem is, is come playoff time, when you're going up against defenses that can stop one or the other, yeah, and and when your biggest gift is to be able to put the ball on the ground and be able to put defenses on their heels, and if you take that away and only allow thirty four yards, well, guess what, Chris, you need a traditional quarterback in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, you need a guy that can sit there in the pocket and you know get the ball down the field, and you know he hasn't been able to do that yet. And I think that was a game that kind of showed that, um, and uh, you know the Ravens they're going to probably pony up a. Sh- Bunch of money for yeah. f- to re-sign him to, to sign him to an extension and rightfully so. I mean, this dude puts butts in seats. He's an exciting player, yeah, and I'm not trying to take player. anything yeah. away from that. Yep. But much like young kids coming out of college in basketball, this is a guy that in his position you need to work on those fundamentals. And I, by no stretch, know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Just based upon the visual test, sure, you need somebody that works on those fundamentals and works on those things that's going to help you win ball games. And and that's fundamentals, and you gotta you gotta be able to throw that football, and you, you know you can't allow you know a pick six, a hundred and one yard pick six, and that kind of a thing. Well, yeah, Mikey, that was the difference right so, there. So I think you, de- I think all of that is is definitely warranted because the the difference in the game was a one hundred and one yard interception return for Buffalo in the third quarter. It was ten to three at that point. Baltimore's driving, trying to tie the game up, at least get some points. And Lamar's picked off in the end zone, and like you said, 101 yards later, it's all of a sudden 17-3, to and that's what the final end up being. Lamar gets knocked out with a concussion a little bit later. Uh, that happened in his own end zone. I mean, it, it, Baltimore was backed up. To me, it's very clear Baltimore needs to go out this offseason and, and get him some weapons to throw to because they definitely have a mediocre receiving core. Lights out running the football great at the running right. back position. But you look at them and you compare them to the other playoff teams at wide receiver, and they were mediocre at best. Give the guy a few other targets to throw to, and then maybe we'll see that step forward, you know, throwing the ball like you pointed out. But some great points there. In the end, Buffalo moves on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they will play Kansas City. Of course, we had, you know, yesterday's final uh, AFC game between the upstart Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the big narrative was midway through the third quarter when Patrick Mahomes was knocked out of the game in the concussion protocol. There was a big play that went, unfortunately, against the Browns in the first half that that might have really changed the the whole momentum and flow of this game and all and everything like that. Um, it was 19 to three at the half. The Kansas City ended up winning 22 to 17. But really, the two big things were Mahomes getting knocked out, mm-hmm. and then there was that play in the first half. The Browns were looking to break a big passing play, trying to extend and dive into the end zone for a touchdown. Receiver fumbled the ball, literally inches from breaking the goal line, went out of the end zone, gave the Chiefs the ball, but there was a helmet to helmet hit on the play that wasn't called. So, you know, unfortunately, the break went against Cleveland, maybe had a big impact in that game. But in the end, Chad Henney comes in and made a couple plays. He made one with his legs. And then on the fourth and one to put the game away, finds Tyreek Hill to wrap the game up. So 
the Chiefs got it done. They yep. they they got through the adversity and got it done. But just like we predicted last week, Mikey, um, this was a close game. Yeah, and the I mean, Chiefs once yeah. again did not cover a spread. No, I mean you know they only won by five points. Yeah, and they were a ten point um, favorite. You know, yeah. and so if you are, you know, you you. You're absolutely, I mean, yeah, that, that, that halftime, you know, non-call or whatever, the helmet to helmet that was yeah. helmet to helmet. And they came out after the fact, I believe, and said that, you know, that should have been called, that that was an illegal hit. Yeah. He, he led with his head. He put his head down, you know, knocked the ball out. Um, and, you know, we talked about that before hitting record. And I just, some of those rules just don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're trying to protect the safety of your players, you know, having any helmet-to-helmet contact, you know, especially in the last few seasons where you've got a lot of talk, not few seasons, the last decade plus where there's been a lot of emphasis on concussion protocols, there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, the mental health of players and, you know, the ramifications of all these hard-hitting plays, you know, after you've retired and maybe not seeing some of those repercussions until after you're done playing. And so for the league to kind of miss that and for these refs, when you have so many different camera angles, when you have so many different situations and refs on the sidelines and in the game to not see that and then call that and, you know, for that play not to be challengeable by the coaching staff, you know, after watching it on a jumbotron, like clearly you can see that there's a hit, but then the inability to protect your player on either side, I think is, you know, is disheartening. Um, you know, and if you're a Browns fan, yeah, you, you're like, damn it. Like, if we would have made that, you know, that's the difference in the game. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it very and, well is. Yep. So, you know, regardless of whether or not Patty Mahomes got taken out, you know, you you had that game. That game was there. You did make a run at it at the end. Browns fans have a lot to be proud of. Absolutely. You know, if you're Kansas Absolutely. City, you know, you you obviously like that you won. You you have confidence as the, as the reigning champs that you're going to go in this next weekend in the championship round. And you, you know that, you know, what you have. The problem yep. is, is that, you know, are you going to be playing with Mahomes? Or are you going to be playing with your backup quarterback? Exactly. That much like yeah. my Cardinals back yeah. in week 17, you know, Kyler Murray gets knocked out and you put, yeah. a, you put a backup in there that hasn't played all season long. Yeah. And so if you're the Chiefs or Chiefs fans and you potentially <clears throat> are going to go into this game with a backup quarterback who's not played really at all this season. Yeah. And... You know, like you said, you've not covered a spread. Your your games have all been decided by less than a touchdown. Yep. Um, you know, if you're the Bills, you just stopped the Ravens offense yep. that was a relatively potent offense. So you're feeling good yeah, about yourself. Yeah, they've been playing their best all season so, long. Yep. You know what I mean? And you know that you have a healthy Allen. Yeah. So if you are the Bills, I think you go into this game, even if it is in KC, I think you go into this game feeling pretty good about yourselves. Yeah. And I, I for one, have been drinking the Bills Kool-Aid going into these playoffs. And so I don't, I, for me, it doesn't stop now. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Browns, again, you got everything to be proud of. You've got a good thing going on there in Cleveland. And uh, Lord willing, you continue to make that forward progress. And, um, you know, you, 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 you'll be in the playoffs next year and, and you'll continue to do well, barring injuries and all that kind of stuff. You got good things going on in Cleveland. I agree. It, it, it's, it looks bright for the future. Jim Nance mentioned that at the end of the telecast the other day. This isn't the same old Cleveland Browns. Definitely not. They, the cupboard is stacked and they're going to be in position to, to compete at a high level for the next few years, certainly. So um, the only other takeaway from this game that I, that I wanted to hint on, Tyreek Hill, eight catches for 110 yards. Travis Kelsey, eight catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. The Chiefs got the ball to their primary playmakers, yeah. and they got it done at the end of the day. It's what yeah. you got to do in the playoffs. But as we wind down here, Mikey, yeah. we, of course, have two huge championship games this weekend. Yeah, we do. Uh, the first one, two legends going at it, playing at a high level with Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, of course. Um, I have to throw this out, Mikey. I went four for four on my divisional round picks Woo! last weekend, All which right. has yeah, me at did. nine for ten, bro. That's an historic pace for me, That's by the way. 90% I, winning percentage. I don't do that. I, I will take that. So I do have to give myself a pat on the back. You that should. doesn't happen all you, that you often. You should. But, Absolutely. Um, so, you know, unsurprisingly, let's start with Green Bay and Tampa. Of course, one thing you have to look at when you're talking about an NFL playoff game in late January, Green Bay, is the weather. Yeah. And we're looking at 20 in the mid-20s to low-20s. 
Snow flurries. That's the initial, uh, you know, forecast for Sunday. What we would expect. Um, again, I think this favors Green Bay. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's played in this for 20 years in New England, so I, you know, what what have you. But uh, the rest of those Tampa boys who have played their careers down in Tampa in warm weather, it's going to be a little bit of a different story. Uh, yes, Tampa Bay gave Green Bay troubles when they met during the regular season. That was a long time ago. That game even happened before the second Saints-Tampa game where Tampa got their butts kicked. So you can throw that game out the window. It's it's irrelevant. These two teams are playing much better than they were at that time. And, uh, you know, look, I, I like what Green Bay did running the football. I like the game plan. I think they're going to have a similar game plan. Tampa, while they got it done, it was primarily based off of the forced turnovers against New Orleans. Uh, offensively, they did run the ball fairly good, but uh, it's going to be hard to get those 15 to 20 yard pass plays in Green Bay in that weather, in my opinion. And with, with Green Bay's defense playing good too, they played pretty good against the Rams. They did. I think it's, it's set up for Aaron Rodgers. You got to think Rodgers is going to get to his second Super Bowl here. He's got the home field advantage. I, I mean, I'm taking my Packers in this one. Uh, I should. I think it'll be a great game. I think yeah. we're, you know, we finally get this Rodgers Brady matchup in a really important game. So, Mikey, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, just you know, on the initial, you know, uh, uh, feelings. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think your Packers. They're playing good. They're playing good football. You know, that offensive line did a hell of a job protecting Aaron Rodgers in this last game against the Rams. Great point, Mikey. Defense. Yes, great point. And so, yep. you know what I mean? Like, and the Bucks. I'm not entirely sure where they ranked defensively, but, you know, not as high as the Rams, obviously. No, they, so, they were pretty good, but they you know, weren't the number one. Unit. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, and, and Aaron Rodgers has lots of weapons. Now, are yes. you, is your running back core going to light it up like they did, you know, in against the Rams? Who knows? But That's having Devontae Adams, you know what I mean? like, And then having that yeah. three-headed monster at running back, I think, yeah. puts you guys in a great position. I think the magic runs out on Tom Brady. I, yeah. I think that, you know, I think you're right. You know, Aaron Rodgers is playing excellent football, probably the best football out of anybody left in the playoffs. I would agree um, with that. And yep. so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to get the job done there in Green Bay. I like it, Mikey. I'm going to take a big sip of that Kool-Aid with you, my friend. I like that. <laughs> That, of course, leaves us with Kansas City and Buffalo left yeah. over. Um, yep. You know, this is the game I was looking forward to and really hoping would happen, uh, for, you know, in the AFC title game. Of course, the big question is whether Patty Mahomes will be able to play or not. I know the Chiefs are optimistic this morning. By all accounts, it'll probably take until about Thursday before we have a real solid, concrete idea. Of course, that changes things one way or the other. Uh, Mikey, I want to yeah. get your pick on this one first, and I'll give mine as we wrap up this week. Yeah. Uh, who do you like here? Is it going to be the Chiefs two years in a row, or is Buffalo coming in and Look. saying, ah, ah, ah? Okay. All right. In my hot take. It's my hot take. The Bills are going to win this game. Woo! Bills right. are going to win. I've been sipping this Bills Kool-Aid for, you know, since we started this. And, you have. You know, since... Uh, since the playoffs began, I've been picking the Bills, and I'm not going to stop now. And look, I'm going to tell you what. It's just the law of averages, man. Like, Kansas City's been playing with fire since going back 10 weeks ago. Yep. They've not yep. been winning. They've not been blowing teams out. They, yes, their offense is historical. Their offense yep. is this, that, and whatever. Absolutely. 100%. You're not wrong. Yep. Not trying to take anything away from that. Patty Mahomes is coming off of, you know, concussion protocols. Yep. Um, you know, your defense was allowing the Browns to run on a, run over you. Um, you know, and the Bills, again, they're playing good football and they got the job done against the Ravens. And eventually, even if it's not in this championship round, man, even if KC makes it to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. I don't see at some point you're going to lose. There's no way you run this table yeah. and play with fire the way that you are. The competition gets better as the playoffs continue. Yeah. So yeah. you're telling me that they're not sitting there you know, worried about the Bills. Andy Reid and the coaching staff might be. But if you're the players, you've been squeaking by and that builds a false level of confidence that no coaching staff in the world can convince you otherwise that you're not going to win this game. Yeah. Regardless of the warning signs. Yeah. Right? You've been playing with fire. And you know what? You're just going to keep going until you get burned. I think the Bills burn them. I think the Bills make their Super Bowl. All right. Um, you know, Mikey, uh, this is, a, again, a tough game for me to go on. And, and the Patrick Mahomes being available and not available is going to be a big part of it. But I think you hinted on it. We talked about it in previous episodes. Buffalo was playing the better ball down the stretch. 
I think Buffalo's performance was better this weekend. Um, for those reasons, I'm going to go with the Bills. I think it's going to wow. be it's going to be tough with the uncertainty of Patty Mahomes being able to play or not. I think that's going to have a part of it. Stefan Diggs has been a big reason I keep picking Buffalo. He had eight catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown because of Stefan Diggs, because of Josh Allen, not and and these guys just playing at a high level. I'm taking Buffalo as well, man. I, that's wow. it. Buffalo, Green Bay, and the Super Bowl. Wow. I, I, I can get behind that, brother. But okay. uh, episode nine, quickly uh, wrapping up here, guys. We thank you very much. Yeah. Look forward to a great week. We will be back next weekend to, of course, talk about these championship games. Yes. Have a great week. Signing off. Hey, have a good one, everybody. All right. In the books, episode nine. <laughs>